we just wrapped up a podcast with author, speaker, uh, the founder of Evening of Dreams in Sacramento, and a friend and mentor of mine, Michelle Ravy. And uh, you'll find this out when you listen to the podcast, but this is actually our second recording just because we had so many audio issues in the first recording that I just couldn't use it. The perfectionist in me uh, just couldn't let it go. So she was kind enough to come back and record one more time. And uh, just like the first one, it was an awesome conversation. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, uh, reminiscing about uh, back when I was an intern and some just funny stories that um, her and I were involved in as I was interning for her. And um, we had a really good time talking about that. But then she also shares her story, which is just really powerful and really crazy. There's a lot of ups and downs and struggle that she went through as a child and to see what she's doing now and how far she's come in her life from that mo those moments when she was young is pretty pretty remarkable and her story is just really inspiring and it will be inspiring for any athletes who might be going through tough times or maybe a coach who's going through a tough time or maybe a coach who's who has athletes that come from rough backgrounds or who are dealing with things off the field her story is a is a great example of how you can get through those things and how you can use it to better the people that you're around every single day. And so uh, Michelle is just an awesome person. Uh, we're grateful that she was willing to come back a second time to re-record this podcast. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Michelle Raby. See ya. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, you ready? When he goes beyond the scoreboard. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and today's guest is an author, speaker, the founder of Evening of Dreams in Sacramento, and a friend slash mentor of mine. That is Michelle Raby. How are you? Hello. I am good. Good. It is 10 o'clock in Illinois where I am at, but the kids are in bed, and I am ready to go. I'm so excited to be on here and miss you guys. I, um, I don't know when, whenever we talked about getting on here, I was so excited because you and I could connect and I could feel a little piece of Sacramento, which I miss so much. So. Oh, that's very kind. Sorry. You're to feel a piece <laughs> of Sacramento. You're stuck with me, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever I'll have, I'll have to do. And I'm going to be honest, just like as any, everybody knows, um, who listens to this podcast, we always try to keep it honest with you guys, and this is not um, <laughs> first time recording this episode. <laughs> we, uh, he, just, he just needed needed <laughs> more counsel. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, just pretty, pretty much. <laughs> it did. It did feel like an intern moment where I. Oh gosh. Basically, uh, we had audio <laughs> issues 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 the first time, and uh, like the first twenty to thirty minutes was really really bad. Rough. Where you could hear parts of what Michelle was saying and the parts of what I was saying. I'm like, I can't use this. But it did feel like I was an intern like, having to deliver you bad news. I'm like, hey, Michelle. So <laughs> the first podcast didn't go. Uh, can we do it again? And luckily, you were so gracious and uh, willing to, to hang out again. So um, Heck yeah. I love it. It's great. I know the first time I'm like, hey, it's been a long time. 
it's been like five days. So. <laughs> right? It's been two years. It's been five days and we're not going to lie to you people. <laughs> no, I, Michelle's like, are you really going to tell them? I said, oh, absolutely. I said, Deb and I <laughs> well, have a, no. Uh, I get telling them on here. I get telling them on here, but the picture thing threw me because I was like, you just posted a picture and it's coming up Thursday. But anyway, okay. Nope. And don't worry, everybody. We took another picture and we're going <laughs> to... We're going to put our, not your mistake, my mistake out there on, I take it back. It's Zoom's mistake. Zoom had the problem and yes. uh, it's not us, but you know, we, we still have to roll with it, which if okay. I learned, if I learned anything uh, from interning with you, it was definitely, you have to kind of just roll with things because you never know what's going to go yep. wrong or what's going to change. It's, you just got to keep it moving and, and uh, make it work. So every day was different. Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, I, I got sidetracked a lot in the first recording and it's going to happen again. I know that for a fact, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really crisp right now. So I like it. It's good. Awesome. I will say, um, so just to give everybody a little bit of a, an idea of how you and I connected, um, <laughs> I was at Sierra college and I was taking a sociology class and I, I knew about the change. I knew about everything you guys were doing, uh, down in Oak park and Oh, and by the way, in the first episode or first recording, I said Oak Park, California, completely different area <laughs> down in Southern California. It was just bad all the way around. It was Oak Park in Sacramento, California. Mm. And, yes. Uh, so I, I reached out to you and said, hey, could I come observe you guys uh, for the sociology project? And you're like, absolutely. So I, I came down after school one day and you guys were doing the running club and I was just amazed mm -hmm. by the whole thing. And then uh, that was just part of what kind of want like made me want to get into an internship with you guys and then what really sealed the deal is i went to a character combine event and i'm like oh my gosh this is incredible i have to get connected to these people um and i think you and i spoke after a an evening of dreams i volunteered at evening of dreams and you and i spoke uh, i think it was you and Trav were there and you're like yeah we would love to have you as part of our team and and do this internship and i'm like cool and as i was telling you last time <laughs> Oh, this meeting. is great. Yeah, I know. Yes. Like, it's just, I have, to, I have to be honest. Uh, Come on. I got there and we had a meeting with, it was with you and Shireen. And you basically just looked at me and said, hey, first of all, I was surprised to see you because I didn't think I was interning with you. <laughs> and so. Had like, I switched teams? This is what I'm trying you, to understand. I was you, like totally out of that team. You just did. I think your focus was Evening of Dreams. Evening of Dreams and then like another position as well. Like, so like I was volunteers like volunteers and stuff like that. Half in, half out. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and little did I know I was all out of outreach and all in with you. <laughs> You're so like, they, what? And they're like, yeah. So, and I told you this before. They said, hey, so here's, here's the deal. We actually promised this internship to someone else. And I thought they meant in, like, in addition to me. I'm like, oh, that, that'll be dope. Me and this other guy. <laughs> Happy will have like this fun <laughs> partnership and we'll, we'll work on projects together. Happy's awesome. He's amazing. And they said, so what that means is that we don't have a spot for you on this side. Like, oh. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to be on an island with Michelle. Yeah, they're like, but Michelle oh. uh, has this opening with her. And I said, okay, cool. And so at that point, I'm like, yeah, this is not what I, I thought it was going to be. But um, <laughs> I'm going to roll with it and see what happens. And, uh, and you guys promised me like, Hey, you'll still be involved with combine. You'll still that you'll still be involved. Yes. primary goal will be over here with us. Um, but the cool thing is like, it really did work out the, the way it was supposed to, because like when I think back, um, the, the first time I, the first couple of times I really got a chance to spend time with Kevin Bracey was because of his connection to you. 
Yeah. Um, and then a lot of these like opportunities that I had to speak was because you challenged me to go out and speak mm-hmm. all of these different things. And just a lot, there's so much I learned from you that, you know, it kind of looking back, I'm glad it happened that way. Things yeah. to do, things not to do. That's right. So that, being <laughs> that said, was a crazy season. It was definitely a crazy season, but oh. uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun though. I, uh, like I said, the nice thing about recording this a second time is I have more stories that, that oh, popped gosh. in my head. And so, um, but anyways, I could, I could do this forever and I probably will throughout the podcast, but we'll get this thing started. How about that? Okay, let's go. Okay. So the warm up questions, number one, if you could run anywhere in the world, could be a marathon, could just be a, a training run. Where would you like to run? Marathon training run. I would say, I mean, everyone's like Boston, whatever, sure. but I was born in Alaska. So I would okay. like to throw that in there. Sure. I think I'd like to go to Alaska and oh. just, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. it sounds cold, <laughs> but it <laughs> couldn't be any worse than Ray, Ray Sanchez. He did bad water and then he did, um, what was the, what was the one? I don't did know. It, anyway, it, freezing cold. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Arrowhead. Know. Arrowhead. Arrowhead. So but the hottest and the coldest. Right? Weren't, huh? those back, weren't those back-to-back races for Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is, Brazil, which is, Arrowhead, and um, oh, we did three. Badwater. Yeah. That all sounds terrible. So I'm just going to say that. that I sounds, know. But you crewed him a few times, right? Yes. Which has got to be a kind yes. of cool experience. Brazil. Brazil with Alaska. Or Brazil with Alaska. <laughs> Brazil with it's Ashley. Okay. It's it's and, ten o'clock for Michelle, everybody. I know. Her. I know. <laughs> so in Brazil, so we did Brazil. I think it was two times. Traveled okay. with him there, and then we did Badwater several times. And each of those races are 135 mile races, and we would crew him. And what that would look like is Ashley would run 10 miles. I would jump in and run 10, and then Ashley, you know, would run be the next person. And then we would feed him along the way, make sure he was hydrated and all that. So it was a great experience, but yeah. So Alaska for me. So that's the first question. Sorry. I went off on a tangent. That's like I said, that happens. We should, this is basically a tangent podcast. It's supposed to be about sports, but it never, you know, (laughs) never fully goes that way. (laughs) Okay. Question number two, if you could gain a talent that you don't Mm. currently possess, Oh, what yeah. talent would you like that to be? I would want to be a singer. Everybody Although my husband says, my husband says I don't have a bad voice and I love to sing. And I remember when I was younger, I always thought I was going to be a country singer. And, um, I really thought I was going <laughs> to be a country that. singer. So anyway, both my kids love to sing and play guitar and all this stuff. So I'm living vicariously through them, but I would love, I was, I'd be a singer for sure. Everybody. Or an actress, yes. Oh, okay. Who's your favorite actress? Mm, I'm trying to think. There's too many. I love Reese Witherspoon, and I was good. I almost I guessed that because I think it just it makes too much sense, right? The blonde <laughs> hair, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you are so funny. Okay. So, anyways, I, w- I really was going to guess that. I'm like, I bet you she likes Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I think it's because this is so dumb, but it's it reminds I loved her in Sweet Home Alabama. I was going to guess that too. Got- I was going to guess that. I swear. 
<laughs> and the guy in there is Joe to a T. So when oh, I started dating him, I was like, he is this guy in Sweet Home Alabama. He had the accent, looks just like him. And she was so funny does, in that actually. movie. You got a baby in a bar. <laughs> like I would totally say that. <laughs> Such a great movie. Oh my this is, gosh. This is, this is not a good start to the second recording. I love it. <laughs> okay, go. Okay. That's funny. My wife and I were just talking about that movie. I've actually never seen it. I'll be honest with you. I've never seen that movie, but she was mentioning that movie. Okay. Watch it and watch the guy. Joe to a T. Oh, no, I know the actor. I know the actor for sure. And he does. I, I never really put that together, but you're right. It does sound a lot like Joe. So, oh, okay. yes. It's so, so funny. <laughs> oh, so my gosh. Singing number one, acting like Reese Witherspoon number two. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's actually a good, a good segue into our, oh, next, uh, our next and uh, last warm-up question. Okay. It's, it's the life song question. So I already explained this life to you song. the first time. So uh, just for anybody who maybe needs <laughs> if uh, – <laughs> or anybody that did not hear the first one because you're not airing. Absolutely not. It will probably make. <laughs> no, you're right. It's not gonna. It's not gonna see the light of day. <laughs> Maybe the blooper reel. I do, oh, have, I do have some bloopers from from different uh, guests that we've had on. So it's a little bit fun when that comes out. And oh. as you make it now. But <laughs> okay, so a life song. So this is Deb's signature question. Okay. A song that either uh, sums up like the totality of your life, or if it's a song that maybe just in this current season that you're in fits, mm -hmm. you know, the description. Well, what song would that be? Okay. So I did say two and I went on a tangent and explained them all, but I'm just going to tell you the names and not give too much explanation. So you can give one, explanation you want. It's all good. <laughs> one is hands from, um, jewel. Okay. And I did my senior. So when I was in high school, you do a senior video and you put all these pictures of you and your friends and all this stuff. But anyway, it was just like a really good song because it talks about hands and, you know, they're not yours, but they're my own and what you can do in life. And it was just in that moment, I was like, man, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go change the world and all of these things. And then the one currently. So if you like country music um, some people don't, but there's a really good song by Dan and Shay and it's called from the ground up and it just talk. It reminds me of my husband and I, and like my grandparents or his parents. And it talks just about like, um, going through pictures and seeing the life of the people that have went before you and like wanting that same life and the same love and the family and all of that. So anyway, it's a really good song. So I like it. So if you guys haven't those heard the those two. songs, Make sure you look them up. up. Look them up. All right. Look cool. them up. <laughs> I had to. You said, I'm glad you did. <laughs> All right. Well, you survived the second set of one more questions. Well done. Yay. With, without a hitch. So Without a hitch. Um, I think, I, like I said, I have some uh, other stories that I remember from my internship. So oh, I, think throughout, I think throughout, I'm just going to kind of sprinkle these in. So sprinkle man. Okay. So, you know, even though that, even though you and I, you, you know, we were the, the primary focus wasn't character combine initially. Right. Uh, but I was still involved with it. Um, you and I <laughs> still worked on some like character combine stuff together. Right. And, uh, Every once in a while, like that, I don't know if you remember this, but that first year I had the idea of giving away like player of the week awards. 
Yes. And like a little, like a bag with a t-shirt and a, like two free passes for the, that year's character combine. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of them that uh, you were kind enough to join me on and speak to the team for me. And basically yes. present the award. And so we'd go out to teams every <laughs> once in a while. Well, I, w- I had a meeting with this coach that contacted, I'm not going to say the school's name. <laughs> okay. Oh I, gosh. I don't know if you remember this. I don't know. Uh, okay. Hopefully you do. Josh is always answer. trying to embarrass me. Okay, go. No, this won't embarrass you, I don't think. Go. Okay, so go. There's this coach that, that I met Or if with. it does, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a podcast. It's fine. Um, yes. There's only a bunch of people listening. Um, yeah, so there's this coach that reached out to us and said, hey, you know, he, was, he had like this really deep voice, like, hey, you know, I heard about the oh. combine thing. And I'm like, all right. And uh, so I met with him. And I'll, I'll say this. It was a very strange meeting. Um, at first, but he was definitely talking like this. he had mentioned uh, evening of dreams and he's like, that okay. sounds, sounds awesome. And uh, he just had a very, like a very bizarre way of coaching. And he was, he was just hired at the school. He was a football okay. coach. And I'm like, okay, well maybe we can set up a meeting with the evening of dreams director. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds great. And I'm like, all right, cool. And uh, so the next week you were kind enough to come to the school with me and I met you there. And I remember I was in the parking lot waiting for you to, to arrive and you were a little bit late. I'm like, what's, she's not usually late. What's the deal? Well, then I found out that as like, when you pull up, they're like, at the intersection, there was this huge fight in the middle of the road and I couldn't get past. I'm like, <laughs> yes. okay. All right. Well, this is not a great start to the meeting. <laughs> and I should have known. Like, I do remember that. You do remember it. Okay. Perfect. Yes. I do okay. remember that part. So we go to the school and we went to the school's library for whatever it's reason. It's a rough area, huh? Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a rougher area. And okay. for whatever reason, this coach always wanted to meet us in the library. It was very strange. And <laughs> he was always reading just some random textbook. I'm like, what, what are you doing here? And so he did that for the first meeting. And then sure enough, the second meeting when you and I went in there, he's reading like a, like a history book. Like, this is very strange. And we, we, I'm like, hey, coach, uh, this is Michelle, um, who's the director of Eating of Dreams. And he looked up, and I will never forget this. Like, as soon as he saw you, I was dead to the world. Like, I like, like, Hey, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, coach so-and-so and he just shook your hand. And then he, like, he just proceeded to flirt with you the entire time. Stop. Was I married? No, you had just no. gotten engaged. And I remember oh, I was in my, in my mind, like we sat there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, Michelle, say something about your, say something about Joe, please. Cause I'm very <laughs> uncomfortable with what's going on. And I'm like, I can't, I, We'll we'll have to talk when we turn this off because I'm interested. Like, yeah, what he looked like was yeah. he kind of like his? <laughs> I like. I saw. I saw. I saw. Point out to everybody that she she tried I to describe pants. Yeah, I said was his pants up like high rise or something. I feel like you you tried to do it in a way where the audience wouldn't know what you were saying. I appreciate I that. <laughs> I was like trying to like, yeah, it's like say it with my mouth. Like what's <laughs> so she talking? Couldn't. What are you talking about? No, <laughs> no, he was a, he was hey, a anyway different, different dude. I mean, he I, I found out later yeah. that he was, he was living on campus in a trailer, which he wasn't. Yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about now? <laughs> that is right. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, this is this is a nightmare. We so, were like, you live here in a trailer on the campus of the school. He's like, yeah, okay. the, school, the school lets me. I'm like, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, man. But I remember he ended up like we went, we followed him and his team back to the locker room and I'm just walking thinking, Oh, this is an absolute nightmare. 
because he does not care about evening and dreams anymore. anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, he's trying to meet the woman of his dreams instead of talking about Oh my gosh, I'm like, dying this right is now. So, this is so awkward. And then we get back there and then oh. he's getting ready to introduce you. And he, he made kind of a, an inappropriate joke to his team. And you lean to me and you're like, what does that mean? I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it means. <laughs> and what did point, he say? I can't remember what it was, but I just remember like, oh, that's God. something inappropriate. I'm like, I kind of say one of these, like, oh, no. And it was, it was the worst, the worst. I'm like, I have to be really careful before I bring Michelle out to any of these things. Okay. Um, needless to say, he okay. ended up not coaching that year. <sighs> he didn't even make it to the uh, off season because he ended up getting fired. <laughs> And he lost his trailer on the campus. He lost his parking space. So funny. Yeah, I just have it was such a bizarre. When I first met him, it was such a bizarre thing because he was like the last thing I'll say about this coach. He was, (laughs) he's like, he he had like a like a raspy voice, like Takamoto. He's like, you know, I I don't believe in this weightlifting stuff, and (laughs) he's like, you know, I have my boys do. Like, I I have no idea, coach. (laughs) I have cutting wood in the back. Like cutting wood. wood. He's like, he starts doing the sawing motion with his hand. He's, He's like, like, cutting wood for my fire in the <laughs> for my trailer. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you have the sawing wood. He's like, what is that? It's not just sawing wood. You know what else that means? Or what else it looks like? I'm like, I have no idea. And he's like, like punching someone. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? <laughs> I cannot. Like the kids that were fighting on the way in. Exactly. They probably, they probably um, were part of his team. And then they were, we're just trying to saw I wood. Can't. We're not fighting. <laughs> so Coach anyways. told us to come out here. <laughs> <Coach>. okay, <keep. laughs> Damn, uh, who cares? No. Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyways, that was a long, uh, pointless story. But anyways, yes. we... <laughs> It's we, good. That was we, a good one. We had some, uh, like I said, fun, fun meetings. And I would say this, 99% of the coaches that, that you and I met with were amazing and, and completely normal. And yes. That, uh, that 1%, you know, <laughs> a little different. So, <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the real stuff here. So, yes. um, you know, typically we ask everybody what their athletic and or coaching background is. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think for you, your, your athletic background is – kind of woven into your story and you have, yes. such an, you have such an incredible story that I think it would be more beneficial for our audience just to hear a little bit about your story, where you grew up, um, the mm-hmm. environment that you came from, you know, all of the ups and downs, the struggles that you dealt with. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just tell us a little bit about that. I think, you know, your story speaks for itself. So, yeah. So, um, So like I said, I was born in Alaska and I always love sharing my story. So thank you for that. I think that oftentimes um, people could see somebody or know somebody and they can't imagine what people have been through. So I I love stories Um, and I love to share my story because to see how far I've come is just miraculous, really. Yeah. so I was born in Alaska and my mom, she, um, I had an older brother and sister. They were born. And then, um, my mom had me and unfortunately couldn't tell me who my real father was. And so from there we had, my mom had my younger sister. So four, four siblings. And then everybody was just kind of like torn apart and some stayed in Alaska And then my mom, my young sister, and I, like, we went to Texas. And 
from then on, it was just a little bit, I mean, really crazy in a sense of my mom really couldn't take care of me. And, um, well, I want to say like, I mean, she really couldn't take care of me, but she was in and out. So, I mean, if you can imagine young, I mean, I was four probably. And, um, yeah. So just to kind of, I don't know, I don't want to, I, we don't have time for the whole story, but really it was, it could be my mom has known a person for a week and I would go and live with them. And she worked at bars and if she didn't have childcare, I would be at the bars with her every night underneath the bar while she was working, Hmm. um, in the back of the bar, um, living in and out of people's homes, dealing with tons of abuse. And, and then there was like a season where my mom really left for, I want to say, um, a few years and Mm. then came back and didn't put me in kindergarten. So I started kindergarten when I was seven because she was in trouble for not starting me in school. And I just remember at that time, when I talk about my story, I always talk about blessings and people and angels and impact and all of this stuff of like, those were the angels of my life. Those were the people. And, you know, we'll get into sports, but really at a young age, I just remember even one time my mom didn't come home and I was sitting outside the apartment building and this older woman said, Hey, you want to come in and sit with me? Cause she was worried. And I mean, it was a daily thing where I would go and she would feed me cookies and just take, take help, take care of me. It didn't even know me. And then, um, my mom had left again and I stayed with my stepmom. And in that season, I, it was my stepmom and my younger sister's dad. So not to get it all complicated, but younger sister's dad and his new wife. And, um, in that situation, it was really rough because she was very, very abusive. And my siblings and I, we would go days without eating. Um, I mean, school was rough. It was just really, really, really rough. And there was tons of different types of abuses that went on. And just when I look at, and I, so all of that happened. And then I ended up in Illinois with my mom in third grade. So as you can imagine by third grade, I had, you know, endured tons of abuse, tons of, you know, not, I wasn't safe. And so honestly, leaving my sister's dad and my stepmom and coming to Illinois, I just was thinking anything's better than that. Mm -hmm. And I got to Illinois and my mom and my, her fifth husband, um, they were just like, Hey, this is the first night I was there. Said, these are drugs. This is what we do. Don't tell anybody. And so it went from that to almost like I was, you know, told to keep my, you know, keep silent really. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? So I started school and I can describe myself at third, in third grade. I was very, um, very, uh, bubbly, good. Per- I mean, I think about like good personality. Um, I loved people. And then, um, and I thought, you know, this is going to be good. And I was very good at hiding my home life. So 
I often talk about like the hiddenness of my life in a sense of I started putting my clothes on or putting my clothes to my neighbor's house. They were like sisters to me and I didn't want them to smell like smoke or getting on the bus over there because I didn't want people to see that we lived in a really, really run down house and um, just all, I mean, just really all kinds of things. And, you know, I hit it very well. And then um, one year my mom and my stepdad put me in a car with a drunk driver and she hit the telephone pole and I flew out the windshield, but I bit the dashboard on the way out of the windshield. And, um, it really like, it sounds so even writing it in my book, it was just really hard to relive. But I mean, you couldn't tell now cause I have veneers and you know, I mm-hmm. have a smile and even after right. like, yeah. But for a season, probably, I mean, till I was in eighth grade, so fourth grade to eighth grade, like my teeth and, you know, I just looked completely different. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't think anyone's ever, and even my husband, he saw a picture and I was so embarrassed. Like nobody has seen those pictures, but anyway, so I felt like in that, in that season, really I had lost the thing that I clung to, which was probably the way that I looked and my personality. And after that, I just really just kind of shut down. And then my stepmom and my stepbrother and sister passed away in a car wreck, um, right after that. And then I started just really going more and more and, you know, just keeping to myself, not saying much and then dealing with the home life stuff. And then, then, um, Right after that, my parents, they were mostly selling drugs, but then they started doing the drugs and could not pay for the drugs that they were buying. And that caused a lot of issues where people were coming to our house and, you know, hitting the door down, threatening to kill us. And Mm -hmm. so it was just like this spiral of like, not safe, but also like not being okay with who I was because you can't hide. Like, after the car wreck, everybody knew something was up because they read it in the newspaper. And so I started doing cheerleading and I started running. And, um, when I did cheerleading, my cheerleading coach, she was very good about like just really investing in my life, like bought my cheerleading shoes. And it wasn't even about the things, but noticing, like always noticing, like I didn't have And even though I tried to act like I did, um, but she would get me shoes or make sure my hair was done and ask the right questions, but not pull everything out of me, you know, so I would say just enough. And then I started running, um, cross country. And, um, I remember the first couple of days that I ran, I was like, I've never ran, you know, a day of my life. And the coach at the time, he's like, you are really good. He's like, you could really be good at this. And so that was, um, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I really just fell in love with running. And once again, they just, it was almost like these people knew the teachers and coaches knew really what was going on, but oftentimes you just can't do anything about it. And all you can do is invest in what you, you know, the time that you have with these athletes. And so for me, it was like, during school, 
Um, and then going, you know, just noticing and saying, I'm going to serve her well. And then went off to high school and did cheerleading and track and cross country. And same thing there, people noticing, people seeing. And I just even remember like my grandpa worked at the school and oftentimes like I didn't have lunch money. And this, this other guy that worked there, he would always like, be like, Hey, do you have lunch today? And I'd always be like, no. And he would make sure my lunch was always paid for. And my coaches were always just really encouraging and wanting the best, you know, for me. And then when I was in high school, my parents were actually selling drugs to the kids in my high school. And, um, it just got, it just got a little, um, a little too much and they ended up getting arrested. And then from, from that time on, you know, I, I held three jobs, you know, I worked at a donut shop for a while, right before school would go to school. I would, you know, do sports after, and then I worked at a car dealership and another job just to kind of make, make it work. And I lived with different friends. And so, like I said, you think of the older woman, you think of the coaches, and then you think of these friends where their parents like invested and invited me into their home. Mm-hmm. And I always stayed long enough to where I wouldn't outstay my welcome. And then I would go to different homes, but it's just like looking at all of it and just saying, okay, we made it through. But sports was always huge for me in a sense of like, it created um, a family and it created discipline and it created like tough, you know, sometimes tough love, like, Hey, get it together. And it's when I needed that. But then sometimes it was like, Hey, I need to wrap my arms around you because that's what you need. So that was just really cool as looking at coaches and saying, man, they knew how to treat me in every season. And that was huge for me. And that's what I love about coaches is that they can study their, their teams, study their athletes and really love them and coach them right where they are. And some need really tough love and some are, you know, they just need a little bit more quality time. So that was huge for me. Then I went off to college and I went to a junior college, which was, I mean, it was the best decision, um, I ever, you know, made and, um, went there and did cheerleading and dance. And then I transferred to a four-year school and ran cross country and track there. And, you know, it was, it was almost like a blur in a sense of I was working all the time. There was some really um, rough patches in there and then graduated. And I felt like everything just kind of fell apart in a sense of I had a job out of college. I was, um, and I had a sales job and traveling a lot. And then I was serving at my church and then, but I lived like a really, the only way I can describe it was, okay, so my parents always did really hard drugs, but I said, I would never do that, but I drank. And so I, you know, I just, that was like what I did. And then I just couldn't control it anymore. And so when I was 24, so kind of just fast forwarding, went through college and then after that got a job. And then I felt like the consistency, the family dynamic that I had with sports and people in college kind of all went away. 
and then I'm traveling all over the place and then you're acting like you have it together and you're trying to find what you did have. And it was really rough. And so one night I found myself on my front lawn after a night of um, partying. And I remember waking up and just thinking, thank goodness that I'm alive and nothing happened to me. And that was the day where I just reached out to someone and said, I really need to change my life or I'm going to end up like my mom. And I won't go into all the details, but basically they said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I really just want to impact people that had life like me. And they said, well, I know this person from California. So really in a few months I had given everything on the ways, you know, quit my job and moved to California, not knowing anybody except for this one guy. And I was, he was going to be coaching me life coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, life coaching and going to help me write my story. And I was going to be speaking. So these were the those were the things that he was going to be doing. Yeah. And it's interesting. I got to California and none of that even happened. And I met a, another guy and he was like, Hey, like my wife and I would love to invest in you. Would you want to come and be in turn with us? And so it was very humbling in a sense of, I made very good money outside of, out of college. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up interning and, um, I made $50 a week, 24 years old. And I was, or wait, I was I 24, 2007, no 27. So I was 27. Actually okay. it was 27 when all that happened, not 24. I graduated when I was 24. So 27 is when the whole lawn thing happened. But anyway, so I'm all about details and wanting to get it all right. But yeah, anyway, that's good. That's um, good. <laughs> so I ended up in, think about it, like in this family's home, 27. And I'm like, what am I doing? $50 a week? Like what's going on? Yeah. So then here's where be change comes in. So my first, the first thing that I was working on um, when I started this internship was they said, Hey, go down to this um, in Oak park, uh, you know, in Sacramento. And it's one of the underprivileged schools. And so we want you to just go and you just run with it. So Russell Breton, he took me down there and I could not believe it. Every kid I looked at, I was like, this is my story, my life. They were telling yeah. me stories of the kids and I, I couldn't believe it. And so really I just started journaling. And the only thing I knew to do at the very beginning was I started a thing called Tuesday morning coffee. And I went and traveled to all the Laboos all over Sacramento and they gave me their day old bakeries and we would freeze them, warm them. We would get there at like four 30 in the morning. We would warm them and then we would take these coffee, um, take coffee. And it was really for the parents because I said, if I can meet the parents, love on the parents, then they will allow me to be, you know, respect me and I will be able to lead their children and so I would feed the parents and the kids would come and they wouldn't have breakfast. So I'm shoving breakfast, the muffins in their um, backpacks. I'm like, go to the bathroom and eat before you go to class because they missed their free breakfast. That's awesome. So anyway, I started with that. And then um, I, I grabbed this really, you know, those metal um, mailboxes you can get at like Walmart. Oh, so yeah. we, we got those and we painted it and we put... Um, it was called special delivery. And, um, 
we said you could circle the things that you need. And probably one of the top things that these people needed were, were refrigerators. So I would go to their houses and check it out. And they were eating out of ice chest and it was awful. I mean, rotten food. And um, so we would go into these homes and kind of see what was going on and we would help them clean them and, you know, dealing with, you know, moms that were like my mom. And I was like, I am determined to, to help. Like, um, and I wasn't even a mom at that point, but I was like, I want this mom to be a better mom, like for these children, cause yeah. they need her to be a better mom. And, and so special delivery happened and I started seeing kids come to school with holes in their shoes and we were, um, giving them, you know, shoes and, um, fleet feet, Jan, um, she would give them yeah. shoes if they needed it. And yeah. I just loved her heart. And it was just like, it was crazy because people were stepping up to meet these tangible needs of these children. And I just remember thinking like the things that I was doing from that for them was actually helping me get over a lot of the things that I always struggled with right? hunger and holes in the shoes and different things like that. And we even did like a coat drive and a lot of people don't think it's cold in Sacramento, but it can get cold and kids were walking to school with, you know, short sleeves. And we were, I was like, I'm getting every kid a coat. And we yeah. did, we got every kid in the school coat. And it was just, uh-huh. I don't know, those were, you know, um, some of the, the early days. And then we ended up doing be change run club. Yep. So the kids started running and we had people actually running marathons on behalf of the kids. But then we were like, let's have the kids run because the, the adults would do the CIM and then they did a marathon run and for the younger kids. And so we would, we would tell the kids, Hey, we're going to run. And then you can do the marathon run and you all get free pair of shoes. So Janet fleet feet would donate shoes for every kid and they would get on a bus and go run. And then the, that was like the carrot to get them to December. We were like, if you do these things, then you get to, you know, do the marathon run. And it was, three A's and we tried to stay with it as much as possible. And to be honest, sometimes it wasn't, I mean, it was attitude, attendance and academics. And sometimes they'd have one out of the three, but we were like, you have potential. And sometimes they'd have all three and some would have, you know, a few would have none of them, but that's okay. (laughs) We were like, we believe in you and we, we saw what they could do. So anyway, so we would do that. And then, we ended up um, doing a thing called I Never Trip. And it and it was basically, I took this kid to the dentist one day. His name was Eduardo. And I had just said, hey, do you want to go to this restaurant? Do you want to go inside or outside? And he's like, well, I've never been, you know, he was telling me what he had never been. I can't remember if it was like, because he, he, they hadn't been out of their neighborhood in, mm-hmm. in Oak Park. And so I was telling... Um, one of our leaders about, and they were like, never been. And so they were like, I never trip. So we started taking these kids on. I never trips. You'd been on some, and we would take them to colleges and Disneyland. We took them to Nike, um, Nike factory, and they got to design shoes and we just made it fun for them. And they had a passport said, I never, I've never seen the ocean. I've never been to a hotel. I've never been camping. I've never, um, you know, seen a college. I've never, you know, all of these things and athletes would speak into their lives. And it was, it was just trying to show them like, this is possible. And I always believed it because I went to college and I graduated 
And I mean, they were young. They were fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And really like, I'm not telling fourth, fifth, sixth graders my story, but I, when they would, when we take them out of their neighborhoods, we could give them a glimpse of, wow. Or when we loved on them, they understood like the family dynamic that I talked about whenever I was on, you know, on a sports team or when coaches would invest in me or when these families would take me in. Um, so yeah, so that's how B change and all of that happened. Yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, <laughs> it's a crazy story. Uh, and, I, and I've told you this, I know I've told you this multiple times, but throughout the years I've, I've heard you share your story in different venues to sports teams, to churches, to uh, youth detention groups. And each time it, it really is just, I think just as amazing because if, and you even mentioned it yourself, when people see you or meet you for the first time, I don't think they would have ever guessed that all of that entire story was your past. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just because of the way you carry yourself, but it does give everybody a really good insight as to why you have, I always describe, like when I describe you to people, I always say you have a very raw compassion. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a compassion. That's like, I'm going to take care of whatever this need is first. And then I'll think about <laughs> how we're supposed to do it or how we can actually make this happen. But like if whatever mm-hmm. I can do right now, I'm going to do. Um, yeah. and there's never ever any hesitation from you. And so when you hear that story, it, it, it all adds up, right? Like it, I, I know now why you have such a raw compassion or I know why you have such a passion for those kids in Oak Park. Um, and I think the crazy thing too, just seeing you down there is it's not like you have to, like you said, you're not going to share your whole story with those kids. Um, they're, they're so young, but I think I always felt like those kids knew, like they just kind of yeah. had, had a sense that's like, you know what, Michelle, Miss, Miss Michelle, uh, knows kind of what I'm going through. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's always, you always seem to have that connection with them. And, yeah. and you were a coach to them. Like we, they, they called you guys or they called us coaches when we were down there, coach mm-hmm. Michelle, coach Josh, uh, coach, yeah. Memphis, coach Russell. And so, you know, I think it, you are, we were coaches in that yeah. group. And, um, I think it's just cool that you took everything like you said about your cheerleading coach, how she was aware of your situation, yeah. your, um, mm-hmm your running coach, he was aware of your situation and you said awareness a few times. So, mm-hmm. um, it's got, it's gotta be a major benefit for someone like you, who's going into a running club like that in an area like Oak park to have that kind of sense of awareness when you're coaching kids, right? Like that's gotta mm-hmm. help you connect with them really well. Oh yeah. I think awareness, I, you know, oftentimes, and I know you've probably heard this a million times because when I speak, I talk about it. It's like, whatever you've gone through is going to help those going through. So if you can, if your mission can be like, man, pull out from the people that you know that you can actually impact and be aware of their situations, get to know them, get to know their parents. I mean, it's interesting. Like the kids would say, Miss Michelle, but I had their mom on speed dial and they were, you know what I mean? So it's like investing (laughs) in the parents, even if you think like, they're not doing the best job, but that's all they know. So it's like, no, love them where they're at and then speak into their lives. Like, no, you can do better. Like you, you can, let's get you a job. We got, we got mom's jobs. We, you know, we were, I mean, it was just great. And then one of the things, like, I don't think we talked about this five days ago (laughs) in our first recording. (laughs) The first one. Yeah. It's interesting we never told them the story, but they were in our wedding 
Yeah. And so at the very begin of, beginning of my, our Joan, our wedding, um, the kids lined the aisles and they had candles. And basically the pastor had said, you know, these candle, candles represent the life that Michelle had. But now, you know, um, she's walking into a new new life with her husband and future kids. And right. it was just almost like the representation of like walking out of things that you've gone through and walking into all the things that are to come that I've hoped for. And so I think that that for the kids to see that a lot of them, I remember we afterwards, a few of them, they were crying and hugging. They were like, we love you so much. But it was one of those things like they didn't know. They just, and their parents were there. And it was just like a cool moment because it wasn't like I was running around saying all of these things. It was just, I wanted to be there to serve them. But then also it was, it was really, um, what I got out of it as well. So anyway. Yeah. Well, and something you mentioned too, just got me thinking, because obviously we're in the midst of this, you know, pandemic and mm-hmm. you had mentioned a couple of times about how sports was just a really positive avenue for you because it gave mm-hmm. you this outlet to do something and, and have it be something that's constructive. And then you're also around these coaches that are building you up and, and kind of speaking life into you. And for me, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we, you know, you have a lot of these athletes out there that they might, they might play at the next level. They might play at a junior college or maybe a division one school and they have, you know, bigger and better games that are waiting for them, for them. or maybe there's really good high school athletes but whatever the case might be, you might have some kids that maybe they're not that into the sport, but that sport provides them a safe place to be. Oh, yeah. And the scary thing is with this pandemic and this upcoming season kind of up in the air, like that could potentially not be there for someone. So um, I don't know. I just had that thought when you, when you, like someone from your background and saying what mm-hmm. sports meant to you on that front, it's really a kind of a scary thing for some kids that might be in that situation now. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because so, um, so in our home, this is going to go back to like what you're talking about in the reality of it. And we live, we live in Southern Illinois. So you think like farmland, um, we live in a town of 17,000 people, but it's made up the region. So for instance, I've been meeting with, um, I have meetings with 15 different mayors and I met with a mayor yesterday that lives in a town of 900. Mm -hmm. And then another one lives in a town of 3000. So, I mean, so Marion is bigger and then right down the road is Carbondale and there's a college there. So, I mean, where we live, um, it's the biggest town around this area, but anyway, so the school that our son goes to, like I say this. So um, when we moved here, there are several different schools in Mary in the town we're living in. And um, we were actually told, so where we live, we live right by the high school, nicer area. And, um, but then there's this area called, I won't say, but it's similar to, um, to Oak Park, but not as bad, but for here. Right. And, um, someone's like, yeah, probably not the best, but we're like, so I had met with somebody and they said, 
there's nothing wrong with that school. That's great. And I, I want my kids to see all things. And every day that I drop them off at school, I always say, and they fill in the gaps. I say Bia and they say leader. And then I say, and, and they repeat or they don't repeat. They just say it. Look for the lonely ones. Mm. So every day, be a leader, look for the lonely ones, be a leader, look for the lonely ones. And so Cohen is very outgoing. He's very athletic. Mm -hmm. He's very gifted. And I'm not just saying that because he's my son, but he is a great singer. He loves the guitar. He loves sports. Like, and he makes friends with everyone. It does not matter. So he made a connection with this boy and sure enough, go to their house. And the teacher actually said, you know, it's probably not the safest for him to go there. So we went over there and all that to say during the season, as things were opening back up for us, the little boy had come over and we said, Hey, did you go get the meals? And he's like, what meals? And we're like, did you do the homework? What homework? Mm. So that's the thing. It's like, some don't have computers. Some don't know about the meals. So they're going hungry. Some don't know about whatever. And so it's a very, it's a very interesting time because it's very easy for people. Um, Cause you're taking care of your own. So it's like, who's taking care of them, you know? Right. And so I'm, I am very fortunate right now to be, you know, a part of a community where we're able to give back in a sense. I mean, we have a text code for people that need food. They text in a number, we take them food. We deliver food. My kids are going with me to help deliver food. And we have a team that is delivering food, but I mean, yeah. So it's little things like that, but I'm thinking, like you said, it's like, what do you do? I don't know, but you better believe I, I want to do something and I will tell you the teachers and the buses and all that they've been doing all that they can, but I mean, it's thousands, I mean, it's thousands of kids. And so the school district has done a good job, but you still have kids and athletes, like you were saying, falling through the cracks. And what do you do? I don't know. But like you said, with your podcast and, you know, um, going from in-person to zoom. And I, I just think, People, companies have, they've had to get innovative, but I think as um, families and as teachers and as athletes, you've got, we've got to step up and get innovative even relationally. And I think, I think people are doing that, but it's still new to everyone. So I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, you know, I would love to, I mean, if anybody has ideas or, you know, maybe it's even you bringing it up, maybe it's something we need to be doing. I don't know, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, you're, you're, you're completely, completely right about all of that. It's, there's not really a a clear answer right now, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. But that being said, I do think that's something to be aware of. You know, if, if anybody, any coaches be is any coaches listening to this right now and they hear Michelle's story, I, I think it's really important because as you said, like, sometimes the sport that you're coaching for that athlete, that might be their one positive outlet outlet for Mm -hmm. life. And if you take that away from them, who knows what could happen. So that being said, uh, like you said, you have a lot of opportunities to be creative, whether it be through social media, Mm -hmm. through zoom, 
something. I, I think we've always talked about it, especially since all of this, you know, pandemic stuff has happened, remaining, you know, keeping your, your team community, your team, mm-hmm. uh, that family feel connected as much, as much as possible is really important. I think during this time, because you yeah. just never know, um, you never know what your athletes are going through. Obviously mm-hmm. you're not going to be there in person to see them most likely, but you know, keeping those points of connection um, intact as much as possible, I think is really important. And I even yeah. think like, I didn't want to bring up the loan. I mean, I don't even know if my son's story, you know, tied into this, but really like, I think the awareness piece is huge. We've already talked about that. And then I do think the lo- looking for the lonely one in a sense of like, you know, when you're around everybody, it's like, did their social media, like I've even seen people where I'm like, they've been silent quite a bit. We need to check on them or, mm, yeah, you know, just being aware or like they're acting strange. Are they getting into things they shouldn't be getting into too much time on your hands, you know, um, right. doing check-ins. Like, I don't know the answer, but I do think not just looking for the lonely ones, but looking for signs and just checking up on, not checking up, checking in yeah. like, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. Well, and I like what you said about the, the lonely ones too, because I think like that's something I'm, I'm passionate about because mm-hmm. I think that too many times we get, especially now, right. We have, we're on our phones, social media, oh. we're, we're so busy, right. Trying to go from place to place and get things done that mm-hmm. I know, I know Bracey's Bracey has said it before, as far as um, his speakers, he said, you need to walk through life with your antenna up because mm-hmm. it's like, you never know oh, yeah. when you're going to see something that is going to maybe inspire your next talk. And I think it also applies to when you speak, when Kevin talks to students, it's like, you need to walk with your antenna up because you don't know who's hurting that day. You don't know who's struggling oh, yeah. that day. You don't know who the lonely one is because we're so busy with our own um, things that we, we tend to miss those things when you know, especially as a, as an athlete and it, it may sound kind of cheesy, but like, it's, it's yeah. true that like athletes, athletes have a platform and, mm-hmm. and you as an athlete may not think so, but if there is someone, say there's a lonely person on campus mm-hmm. and you as an athlete go up to them and start a conversation with them. Like, I don't think sometimes athletes understand truly how much of an impact that can make simply mm-hmm. because they are an athlete and they're seen a certain way. And yeah. that one thing could mean the world to that person that you go out of your way to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm just, I just feel like it's really important to use, use your platform as an athlete and as a coach, because yeah. at the end of the day, life is so much bigger than the sport that you coach or, or play that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not using that platform for something bigger then I think you're missing a massive opportunity, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. On, a, on another note, like I said, I told you I'm going to sprinkle in some of these, uh, some of these <laughs> intern stories, mix it up a little bit. Okay, uh, go. I went through my, I went through my Facebook, uh, pictures and, uh, okay. just to see, cause there's that, there's that feature on there where you can kind of see, like I can type your name in and mm-hmm. then basically I think it's like, see your friendship. And so it shows different pictures. Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you still have this. Do you still have your smiley face mug that you would leave on my desk all the time? <laughs> no. Okay. But I know what you're talking about. That, that picture came across you my You would desk. get so annoyed. <laughs> I don't know about the annoyed, but like, <laughs> It's like, oh, that's weird. I don't drink coffee and I don't have a smiley face mug. This isn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it's funny because Melanie, 
she even like when her and I were working together, she bought me yeah. a tile for my keys because my, I would leave my keys everywhere <laughs> and um, just different people throughout the years. They'd be like, here's your phone. I mean, I would yeah. leave my phone just random. I'd be walking one place and leave. So the coffee <laughs> mug was, was a big thing. Like always left everywhere, you know? Oh, absolutely. I would, I would text uh, Rachel, my wife and it's like, Hey, look who left their mug again. Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. So funny story about that. Like I'm always okay. on to the next thing, but whenever Joe and I got married, I would yeah. get so frustrated about a towel issue. So he would go into the kitchen <laughs> and all the cupboards would be open. He's like, you need to deal with your cupboard issue because I was like, open this cupboard into the next cupboard. So I had to figure that out. But yes, it carried yeah. over into so many different areas of my life. So yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, I also, it's funny. I also came across a picture where Oh gosh. Um, there was, I found, I came into the office one day and there was a note on my desk that basically said, uh, we ate your Sour Patch Kids. Uh, we'll get you some more. Which, <laughs> Who was it? Me? Uh, I think it was, you know, it was definitely you. And I think it was Gretchen. Me? Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, it was Sour Patch, Patch Kids. I don't feel, feel like I, or was it gum? Was it Sour uh, Patch Kids? Well, I did, I did have that big buck, bucket of double bubble at my desk. <laughs> too, <laughs> which that, that tended to disappear a lot too. But no, this one was specifically Sour Patch and there's a note saying like, your Sour Patch, which if anybody knows me, knows how much I love Sour Patch. And that might've been yes. a disrespectful thing you guys could have done. Just <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> but yeah, it, it made me laugh. I was going through those pictures. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's funny. It's I don't, so funny because maybe I was just craving them, but I'm like... <laughs> I do not. I'm chocolate all the way. So I'm like sour patch, sour even. All right. I'm going to so anyway. find that picture. But yeah, no. Do it. it. Do, no, I believe you. It was an empty. No, that's right. It was an empty bag too. It was a note with an empty bag, which made it worse. <laughs> really hurt my feelings. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I could ask Gretchen about that too. I said, I may be, I may be wrong. Maybe it was gum. I can't yeah. remember. But I'm, I'm No, it was probably sour patch. But no, you're right if you wrote it down. Yeah, I did. So anyway, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, Hit me with another or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Keep them, keep them coming. You know, you know it's a bummer too. So I know it's, I know it's late for you over there. I don't even know when we. Actually oh, it's started. fine. I have no idea when we started this conversation. So, but I can say this: it's already gone like a hundred times better than the first recording. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> because I, I you, haven't, you haven't cut out once, so that's good. Okay, good. Good. That was, that was the funny thing about the first time too, is that your face got stuck, like frozen <laughs> multiple times. And it's like, I don't know You're what's like, happening. Like, did she have a stroke? What are we doing here? <laughs> so anyways. You're like, geez. Yeah. And I'm sure my face did the same thing. So. <laughs> no, it didn't actually. Oh, okay. Well then. But thanks a lot. Sure. I guess I'm just a jerk. <laughs> Whoops. Should've, I should have left that to myself. I can take it. Okay, Whatever. good. That's no, what I figured. <laughs> Um, well, how about this? Tell me, tell me a little bit about your book, um, to be known. Yes. So tie with your aunt. So everybody, Josh's aunt actually heard me tell my story at church on set on a Sunday on Sunday. Yeah. Right. On a Sunday. And, um, she is a gifted writer. And it's, it's very interesting because when I told you about when I was coming to California, this guy was like, hey, we'll get you, you know, write, your, write a book and all this stuff. And I had always said, like, I should write my story because I feel like it could impact people. 
So anyway, Renee had, you know, asked me and we met and, and it's, it's very interesting in a sense of how it all just kind of happened. But we spent a lot of time having coffee and talking and she was very consistent in a sense of like pulling things out of me and it was very honest. So, and I love that. Like you said at the beginning, you're like, we're honest around here. Me too. Like, like even when I said 24, 27, like I just, it it sounds so dumb, but it's like, when I say it, I want it to, to be that. And Renee really wanted that too. And so we sat and met and she, it was just really a roadmap of my life. I mean, there was way more than what I've even talked about on here. Um, way, way more. And it's very raw, um, and real and honest. And she, you know, I journaled, told the story, we talked, you know, and it was a really, I mean, even walking through it, you can tell, like, there was just a lot of Valley moments where I was like, I can't even function right now because you go back to those places and it's, it's really hard. And I think it was the first time that I really went back and said, Oh my, like, this is a lot. And just, she would ask me even questions like we were trying to figure out like who my real dad was. And I mean, just things like, and they're hard to under, like nobody's even that honest, really. Like she would say things like, well, what if you never know? Or, and I'm thinking, okay, I never really thought about that. And I was fighting so hard to find him and right. to make this thinking that this guy was my dad. Cause my mom always told me he was. And so it was just moments of like, I feel like even dur- it was, pro- it was a five year season hmm. of just picking it up and putting it down. And, um, we talked about this, but you know, Joe and I got married and I often talk about like God outdoing himself and, you know, we want to put an exclamation exclamation point on our lives. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like nothing can be better than this. Like I got married and my husband gifted me a last name. I always talk about, um, him, you know, um, proposing to me and I had so many different last names growing up. And so when we got married, he proposed and said, I want to gift you a last name. And so the front cover of my book is, pictures of me in high school with scratched out faces that I, from my original yearbooks with different last names. But anyway, so got married and I was like, nothing could be better. And then we had our children and we were like this, you know, we had Cohen and and we had Annalie and we're like, nothing could be better than this. And then, um, and we were like, okay, you know, this is a good place to end it. You know, um, there's still untold story, but it's okay. So then my mom reached out. And then we, my mom wanted to, um, meet. And if you read the book, it's just this story of a mom reaching out to her daughter after living a really, really hard life and wanting to ask for forgiveness. And we met and, um, with the help of my husband in a sense of, I always talk about my husband and the, the tender heart, the compassion and I have compassion, but I had a really hardened heart towards my mom. Hmm. But my husband really was showing me 
how to love well. And Renee, even with her story and talking to me about her life, just really opened up just an understanding of it's okay to go there. And so we flew to Illinois and met with my mom and we were like, this is a great way to end the book, like restoration, restoring your relationship with your mom, forgiveness. And then a couple years later, I got a call and my mom, you know, was in the hospital and it actually, I was there for 14 days. And then we, I got home and my mom, well, and my mom passed away and, um, I got home and Renee and I met almost immediately because you want it when it's so fresh and right. I would record things when I was there. And just, I was like, I was thinking, are we going to open this back up again? You know, cause you do, you, it's just like, your story's never done, but it's like, where do you end it? You know? Right. And the biggest thing for me, I will tell you is like, we came back, we, you know, met and finished it. And it was like, even being in the hospital with my mom for those 14 days, just seeing all the things that, that I had been through, we had been through and sitting there with my mom and seeing her life transformed and, having a forgiveness moment and then seeing her really pass away and knowing that everything was okay. And sometimes people don't get that. And, and they, they, they walk through it in a different way. But for me, I was gifted that. And there's still some other things that, you know, that went along with that. But, um, with her passing that, it was just, it was actually like a spring moment for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, that was it. Like, I mean, she passed, I mean, what is today? Today is the 14th, July 14th. So next Wednesday, you know, would have been, you know, she would have passed in 2007 next Wednesday. So, um, got home and then Renee was like, well, let's do this. And then September we released the book and it just felt like, I mean, when you go through that, it's a really hard thing. So if I had to do it all over again, which you and I talked about this, I am going to do it all over again in the sense of not going, you know, taking five or six years to you know, figure it out and walk through ups and downs to get a book done. Um, But it was all in timing that it needed to happen. But um, it was a really dark time. And it's hard to admit that because it's like, it was a beautiful time. But then I went in this really weird place and I cannot explain it at all. And you have this book and you have this family and you have these children and you have this life and everybody thinks it's it's great and it's really hard. And then you're like, you have this book and then you have, you're supposed to be doing all these things. And, you know, you thought you would be speaking, you thought you'd be doing all these things. And then it's like, I just kind of put it aside because it was like the easiest thing to do. Hmm. And, um, then Joe and I moved to Illinois. We left California and moved to Illinois to be closer to family and started a new job here. And so really, 
I mean, even in the last couple of months, I've just felt a stirring of, man, I need to do something with my story again. Like I felt like I started doing that, but I need to do something. I'm always, you know, still reaching out for the lonely ones. I'm still looking my eyes are wide open to help people and wanting to serve and wanting to, you know, but I do think that my story in my book, there's something there that I need to do more with it. And, um, so I don't know what that is yet, but I need to be doing something. So that is my book. That is my story. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I, I appreciate about you and, and everything that you've been sharing right now is the fact that, you know, you have this background with so many ups and downs. I mean, it seems sounds like a lot of downs, you know, and these twists and turns that happen and, and things that like a young girl or a young child at that age should never have to go through. Right. And you experience all this life that most people will never experience. And then even like you said, even, you know, nowadays, like just because of how life is, there's ups and downs and twists and turns and um, just how you handle all of those things Mm -hmm. um, is really cool. And with, you know, saying remaining focused on this idea of, Hey, if, if anybody can benefit from this journey that I've been on, whether it's something that I went through back in my childhood, or maybe it's something that you're going through currently, um, you always seem focused on being able to, like you said, share your story. And if other people can benefit from that, then, you know, it's, it's definitely worth telling. And it's worth, um, you know, kind of letting them in on that journey. So I've always appreciated mm-hmm. it about you because like you said, it is a draining thing. I mean, my, my background is nothing even close to yours. Um, mm-hmm. And just listening to your story, I can, I, I can't even imagine how draining that would be, you know, going back and writing a book about it going back again, speaking about it, going, you know, having conversations mm-hmm. with people. Um, but, you know, the fact that you're willing to do that for the betterment of other people and the hope and the inspiration of other people, I have a lot of respect for that, for sure. And it is, I think, too, I should also say this. It's like, it's telling it in a new way Yeah. that it doesn't take you back there. I think sure. you have to, if for anybody that's listening and they're like, man, I've been through that or... I know somebody that's been through that. It's like, yeah, you've sat in that for a while and even sharing it, like even today, like sharing it, it's like, oh my gosh, like, uh, you know, (laughs) it's hard to say those things, but it's like the beauty out of it, like the mom restore, like those are the things that we need to focus on now on the other side of it. But like I said, there were times where it's like, you're sitting in the middle of like some deep stuff. Like when my mom passed or when you're walking through this journey with Renee and you're sitting there. But I think when you can come on the other side of it and say, no, I need to start telling it in a new way in a free way, not in like, Oh, I'm, I'm still hurting and the pain and all this stuff. I remember sometimes I would speak and just stand up there and cry the whole time. I'm like, this isn't helping anyone. Like, how is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay maybe I'll cry a little bit, but breaking down on stage, like that's not helping anyone. No, we cannot be doing that. So I think it's even the, the season or when you're ready or I don't know, but all of that to say it's, it's time to tell it in a new way and in a free, you know, like it's, it's not like it used, it's my story still, but we need to rise above the pain and, and tell people like there's more on the other side of the pain is what I'm getting at. 
Right. Absolutely. Now I'm going in circles. So that's okay. No. And you know, something I just thought of speaking to, to athletes and coaches specifically, uh, based on what you said, I think it's important for them to, to think about, um, their stories in this way, mm-hmm. because obviously currently, you know, they may, maybe they're dealing with some of the same, same stuff that you dealt with back in the past. Maybe their, their biggest challenge right now is this pandemic and them losing out on their season or mm-hmm. potential scholarship opportunities because they're not getting the looks that they would have gotten. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy difficult situation and, and mm-hmm. we would never want to downplay that. But I think one interesting way to look at that is trying to look at your, your future self, looking back at this moment, thinking, Hey, this is gonna be a, a pivotal part of your story. It's an unfortunate part of your story, but it will mm-hmm. be a part of your story and how you handle this, you know, this health crisis and how it's affected your life, oh, yeah. how, how you handle it right now one day you're going to be able to share this story and hopefully however you handle it right now is going to inspire someone down the road. Oh um, yeah. And so I think if, yes. they, if they look at your example of how your story has, has influenced your current present situation and how it's inspired mm-hmm. people. Um, again, it's, is it the most helpful thing to think about? Probably not, but I think it, it maybe will help you maybe persevere through some of the tough times that you're facing right now. You know, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yep. Um, no, like I said, I don't want to keep you. I don't want to keep you forever. Um, but I, I do have one last question, and uh, you answered this really well last time, <laughs> so I think you'll answer it really well this time. Uh, obviously, it's the Character Combine podcast. So, what is character to you, and why is it so important? I would say, I mean, compassion is number one thing, and you know, I always tell my kids like. And I mean, I'd probably tell any athlete this, like the compassion that you show, like when I say you're a leader, but you need to look for the lonely ones or you're on the field, but what happens off the field? You're a son at home, but you're a student in the classroom. And, and so I think just understanding your role in each of those, like, having compassion for your parents. Like when you want to be a brat, no, you know, mom, like, I don't know if it's compassion, like, Hey, I want to take the trash out or whatever, but it's like looking at your mom and dad and saying like, what can I do to serve them? Like, what can I do to have compassion for the people around me? I think about like, you're on the field and that's what you enjoy. Like that's the gift that you got, but off the field, like, what can you do? How can you serve your community? Well, we did it with Evening of Dreams. We did it with Be Change. And then you go back to school and you see the kid with special needs sitting alone. You're looking for the lonely one and you say, come on, come with me. And it's just building that gap and figuring it out. And um, even as a coach, like I think having compassion and being aware, we've talked about a lot about awareness, but having compassion and looking for the kids, looking for the kids on your team that are lonely. And it doesn't have to be a jacked up story like mine. It could be, hey, right. during the during the pandemic, you're looking, like I said, you're aware of what they're going through right now and having compassion for them. And um, but I, I think compassion is key um, because it's going to carry you through your entire life, like college or high school, college, everything will pass. But whenever you get a job or whenever you become a father or whenever you become a mother and 
whenever you're working, um, there's always room for compassion in every area of your life. And so um, I try to instill that in our kids. My husband, he's one of the most compassionate men I know. And um, so anyway, I'm super encouraged by um, the people that I see, even students and athletes that I see that have had and still have so much compassion for those around them. Yeah. And I'm like, I think sometimes they don't get enough credit, but there are some yeah, compassionate athletes and students and coaches out there that are going above and beyond. And I think we need to celebrate them a little bit more. And, um, but yeah, so that is my character compassion piece. So. Awesome. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's, that's where I think we're going to end it because we don't have time to talk about, uh, broken (laughs) drumsticks or, uh, empty gas tanks. (laughs) So (laughs) you would have had to listen to the, you would have had to listen to the first uh, recording (laughs) to know about that. Uh, Joe's going to die. He's going to be so sad. I'm just kidding. About the drumstick? Both, probably. Well, I don't care. Hey, you don't sell no, it. Okay. No, no. it's too late. No, so, no. Okay, so I'm going to tell the story, part of the story. So last last recording, I told uh, a story about how Michelle had so, has some weird quirk when it comes to drumstick drumstick ice cream cones. So you want to tell that real quick? Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> sure. So anyway, I was pregnant. and It's a big part of the story. Yes. So Joe and I, when I was pregnant, we always had like this code where I would crave certain things and he'd be like, are you sure you want that? Like, it would be like, you know, ask me three times or whatever. And so one night I really wanted a drumstick and with, and this was with Cohen and I, I would always try to do really well with eating and all of that. So are you sure you want a drumstick? And I'm like, yes. And you said it well on the last podcast five days ago, Josh, um, you said you got to make it count. That's right. And yes, you do. Because when you don't get that many, um, special, I don't even want to say special, but it's like when you're craving something, you got to make it count. So and you were we trying to, to eat better, right? You were like trying to eat healthier. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're pregnant with your first kid, you're like, Oh my gosh, like I got to make sure he's healthy and all this stuff. So anyway, we go to this gas station Joe goes in, buys me a drumstick, and he comes out. And everyone knows if they like drumsticks, the best part of the drumstick is the bottom of the drumstick where the chocolate is. Like that is your final bite. He comes out, and it's broken off. So this sounds so bad. but No, it's awesome. And I am not high maintenance. Like, I am not. But I said, no. Like, I said, Joe, you have to take this back in there. I cannot eat this. The bottom is broken off. And Joe was like, I can't. There's no way I'm going back in there. And I'm like, you have to go back in there. And he's like, I can't do it. So he goes back in and the guy was like, it was 7-Eleven right by Capitol. Yeah. And they could barely speak English, which is so bad to say. But like Joe's trying to tell him, <laughs> Joe's trying to say, you know, he no, couldn't gotcha. talk. Like, Joe's like, uh, my wife, the bottom of her drumstick was broken when she opened it. And the guy's like, huh? Like couldn't understand him. And Joe's like, I need a new one, but I'm not paying for it. And the guy's like, no, you know, like telling him like you have to. And Joe's like, no. So anyway, the guy finally switched out the drumstick for a new one. 
and Joe gets in the car and he's humiliated. He's like, I will never do that again. So it was just very, it was so funny. (laughs) So, so funny. So yes, drumstick story. Yeah, that's, that story does stick out to me. Yes. uh, It was awesome. I was just, I was just thankful. I was, uh, not in Joe's shoes in that moment. Cause that would be brutal. I, don't, yeah. I still, <laughs> honestly, when you said that, I was like, I, I can't believe I made him do that, but I guess I was pregnant and I don't know, need the end of that drumstick. So you, and I, and I, I'm with you. I, that's, that is the best part. It I've had some where it's, it's still intact, but there's like nothing down there. It's, no, you know what I'm saying? It's supposed there's to be there, no but it's like, way. no, I was saying it's like someone at the factory took the day off. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, oops, we've got the chocolate Stop. on that one. Makes me very upset. Stop. I'm oh my gosh. I've, I've I've been there before, but I I have I, never had that. That might be worse than the broken bottom. Yeah, it's like or it's like it's in there a little bit, but barely. You know what I mean? <laughs> you and I, we could talk about. You know, you know, I was, I was thinking, if if I had started a podcast like way back in the day, like I feel like we could have done a podcast together. Oh, it would have been crazy. We probably would have made They'd like be like four, four hours long <laughs> with every guest. Yeah. So it, hey. would, it would have lasted long, but yeah, the idea would have been good. What are you and yes. Joe start a podcast? I don't know. Okay. So Joe does want to start a podcast. He wants to call it. And nobody's still this out there. It might even be out there. But he's like, we should really start a podcast and call it Love and Logic. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm okay. logic, you're love. Because he's just, he, he loves like marriage. He loves talking about love. He loves <laughs> just talking about, <laughs> I mean, all the things. Yeah. It would be good. I mean, there's dreams, there's things. We just have to go for it. I think yeah. we're settling in a little bit more here. So that's good. I think we just need to put the dreams into action. So yeah, love and logic. No, love so and logic maybe. coming soon. Yeah. 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 Paint yourself in a corner. <laughs> I know. It's funny. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that for sure. Um, awesome. So where can they, where can they follow you on social media? Where can they get your book? Okay. Uh, book on book is on Amazon to be known. Yep. And then um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Michelle Raby. Yep. And I am on Facebook, Michelle Raby. So yeah. Cool. And I've got hey. blonde hair and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All of a sudden, that turned into like a dating profile. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like, Maybe. I don't think there's many Michelle Rabies, but <laughs> you know, they it's look like, up at Michelle Raby and they're like, yeah, she does look pretty jacked up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, and I'm just, not on Twitter, so we're okay. not going to go down that path again. But yeah, no, 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 no. I she, well, she, I think you shamed I am. me I just, last time. You shamed me into into thinking I wasn't very good on Twitter. So there's that. Huh? <laughs> yeah anyway well, that, that did sound like you were promoting like a dating profile like, I have oh, stop. Hair, I love running <laughs> i have a book <laughs> um oh man so you guys That's can funny. follow us on twitter at sports character facebook character combine uh, on instagram at character combine you can uh check us out on youtube we have some clips from past events which are still really cool uh speakers like david goggins inky johnson alexis jones Sorry, Alexis Jones is not on there. Ignore I said that. Um, <laughs> Kevin He's Bracey. like, I wish she was on. I'm yeah, I, that, that footage never made it up there. But yeah, oh, God. <laughs> she uh, she's awesome. But yeah, didn't make it. Unfortunately, I don't know where that's at. So um, <laughs> check out the check out the YouTube page and uh, 
Yeah, this, is, this has been fun for the second time, Michelle. I promise this yes. is the last time that we'll do this in the near future, but hopefully we can have you back on uh, yes. down the road. And uh, I think it would be for anybody who, anybody who knows you and knows you well, I think we should uh, just have you end this episode with a, a bump bump, if you could. Give it up for the bump bump. Boom. See you guys. <laughs> Boom. <laughs>